Welcome to God's Watchmen. Tonight, you have myself and Caleb, and we will be sitting down with Tessa Maurer. And for those that don't know, two weeks ago, we sat down with her husband, and he had shared his testimony and his side of things. And tonight, we will be sitting down with his wife, Tessa, and we are thankful that she is able to be here to be able to share her side. And it's been a blessing to be able to hear what God has done through their lives and to be able to hear that tonight will be great. So we thank you, Tessa, for being here. Yep. Um, before we get into anything, I would just like to ask you, how was your day? How was your week? Um, my day was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I had uh, a good week as well. Uh, busy, productive at work. Yeah. What do you do for work? I'm a hairstylist. A hairstylist. Yep. Is it yours? Or it's you work it's not. It's I not. work for someone. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Give us a day in the life of Tessa as a hairstylist. Okay. Well, what's that like? Tessa as a hairstylist um, tries to start work around 9 a.m., but usually starts work at 8 a.m. because people <laughs> people want to get in. Okay. Wow. And I don't I don't like to turn them away, so I either yeah. start earlier or I work later. Okay. Um, I like to try to get up in the morning. I like to read the word before I leave yeah. for work. I don't always get to. Um, mm-hmm. But I really purpose to because it's super important to yeah. me. And um, got to have a good cup of coffee. Good and, cup of joe. Yeah. And I pretty much survive most of the day on my egg sandwich. <laughs> because, okay. Nice. Because nice. I don't prepare and take food with me. So so that's a daily thing, an egg sandwich? Yeah. That, that happens sometimes. I just... A cup of coffee. Cup of coffee and, and egg an sandwich. egg sandwich. Yes. Got to have that protein. Right, the, the morning fuel. <laughs> the fuel pack. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So, How do you like your coffee? How do you do your coffee? Um, with honey and whole milk. Ah. Okay. So I would use honey if I ran out of creamer. Okay. Yeah. So I like I like honey. It's good. Yeah. But it doesn't always make the coffee taste any better. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of just tastes the same, really. Yeah. For me. Yeah. But, um. So as a hairstylist, you say. You wake up, you read the word. Uh, how long have you been a stylist? Um, actually, my first day of beauty school was nine eleven when the twin towers were attacked. Wow, so, yeah. twenty okay. plus years. Yeah, and in these recent years, I'm sure you have you been able to share Jesus with some of your clients. I have. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Yes, I have. Some people come in and they say they couldn't wait to come and talk to me because really? they wanted to tell me about things that happened, like concerning the Lord. Yeah. Some people ask me questions about the Bible. Yeah. Uh, because they know that I, that I've led the women's recovery group and I've done some teaching yeah. with the women. So, um, and I actually led someone to salvation in my chair. That was pretty cool. Sweet. Yeah. I. Yeah. I always liked going to my one barber. He had cut my hair for five years, and I moved, and I still drove an hour away. And during <laughs> this was during all my time of my drug addiction my alcoholism and gambling yeah but i used to always love going there because he was a man of god and one day it was on a wednesday morning and i worked second shift and he said all right we're gonna open up the scriptures and i'm like (laughs) sitting around like what does he mean that's cool and they did a little devotion and i'm sitting there and i'm like whoa this is weird but I love talking to that man, Lance. He uh, always was encouraging. He never uh, downed what I did. He was just a listening ear, but he always talked about Christ. Mm. And deep down, that's why I, I really believe I I was going there. It wasn't about the haircut. I used to tell people, I'm just going there because I'm drawn to this man. Yeah. And there was one day he said, I have, um, I forget how he said it, but he, once again, he used the word scriptures. He said, I've been getting into my scriptures more at night, and I'm still thinking in my head, what is this man talking about (laughs) scriptures? Yeah. But I knew it was, I didn't know it was the Bible, but yeah, that was like five years ago. That's really cool. But I'm, it's awesome. That's encouraging. Yeah, that you are being used and you don't even know. I know. That... Some of them people that aren't saying what they're feeling, but if they know what you're talking about, it's being heard. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. 
I I would go to um, Empire Beauty School mm-hmm. in Lebanon. <laughs> That's where I of, went to school. Oh, okay, very very did, good. Did you get your locks done? Yeah. I know you had long hair. Yeah, no, no, not when I had long hair. No, that was oh. a that was a time. Wow. Um, but I would go to Empire, and um, there's always so many. Like I feel like people searching there. Like yeah. they're just these young students. They're trying to learn, and I always have. Well, not always, but I've had a lot of really like crazy conversations where it's like, wow, okay, yes. good, good, good connection. I didn't know, mm-hmm. and um. So yeah, that's always been like I don't know, a really like there's something there, definitely when doing hair. I'm sure you know that from years and years that, you know, people want to talk when they're it sitting is. and getting their hair done. Yeah, yeah, I think because you're they're sitting down, they're relaxed. <clears throat> yeah, like they just have your time. You're like touching them, and that's kind of relaxing. Do you wash their hair? Yep. That's probably for me. That was always the best. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so they just, it's like a good way to build trust, yeah. I think, with yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. It, they're they're trusting you to do their hair, mm-hmm. so... They're trusting I mean, you sharp objects near their head. Yeah, and <laughs> if you messed it up, I mean, it can be damaging. Yeah, that, that can so be they, very they, damaging. There is a trust there. There is there. a trust. Oh. So, yeah. I would always say when I was younger, I would say, don't cut my ear off. Because yeah. I'd look in the mirror and I'd see the the scissors yeah. and like the angle and I'd always like flinch away. But yeah, so Tessa, like frame out your like the beginning, the genesis of Tessa. Like, what was your <laughs> upbringing like? What were your parents like? Yeah. Like, um, give us a picture. Kind the of genesis. That. Yeah, the genesis. Dun-dun-dun. The beginning. <laughs> the beginning. The beginning of the, Tessa. The beginning. Um. So the beginning, <laughs> third floor of the hospital. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Came out feet first. <laughs> oh, that's a good question, actually. Yeah. That I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask your mom. Yeah, not really. <laughs> um. So okay. So like my earliest part of my life that I remember, that is just like pretty like a big part of my life. Um, is my parents. When I was two, my parents were divorced. And um, so that's pretty much all I remember. I don't remember them being together, except for I have pictures. Mm-hmm. I have one picture of my mom and my dad and me as a little girl. And I still have that picture. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just grew up. Uh, my mom and I lived in Lebanon. Okay. I lived in Lebanon like most of my life. Mm-hmm. And my dad lives in Cornwall. And both my parents are still alive. And um, I would go see my dad every other weekend. And um, it was kind of weird because I lived in two different houses. Mm -hmm. So there was two different sets of rules, two different dynamics. Right. Yeah. So, but that was just like my reality. Mm -hmm. And I just learned how to um, kind of shift in that. Would you say you lived two different lives? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. My parents were were very different. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and what was, what was the, like the cycle of that? Was it like two weeks with one, two weeks with the other? Was it like daily changing or just every other weekend, every okay. other weekend, my dad would come pick me up and I would go to his house. Okay. And, um, uh, my mom worked a lot. She worked with handicapped children at Renova center. So, um, I would be with my aunts a lot. I had an aunt, like two of my aunts were stay at home moms. So yeah. I would go to their house okay. or my grandmother's. So I was brought up by like, like my family. Mm-hmm. Like there was always a lot of family around me. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I was thirteen, um, I actually stopped going out to visit my dad. Um, it was on Easter Sunday. Um, I was supposed to go out to see him, and I wanted to stay at my friend's house mm-hmm. and go to my mom's. And not go to my dad's. And he came to get me. And there was a, a little bit of a falling out. And then he he told me to get out of the car. And then he left. And mm. then I didn't see him again for like over a year. Okay. Okay. And what was, what was that dynamic like with your dad? How was your relationship? So my dad was, um, my dad was in Vietnam. Mm. Okay. And um, I think that was very hard for him. Yeah. And so, and my dad, it was just very 
distant. Um, he worked a lot. I went with him a lot to work. He's a carpenter. Um, he does an amazing job. He's a very, very talented man. Um, but it just was kind of, it was just different out there. I always kind of, it was just hard out there. It was different. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, he just, I think Vietnam affected him. So it was it was challenging sometimes. So part of me didn't want to go anymore, but then this other part of me did because he was my dad and I love him so much. Yeah. Yeah. Now emotionally, how how tough was that having split parents? How did that affect you? When I was little, I didn't realize that it affected me so much, but yeah. now that I'm an adult and I have children and I have grandchildren, mm-hmm. um it pretty much ripped me right in half. Okay. And it was hard. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. And your your dynamic with your mom, what was what was that like? You said she was working a lot. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a good dynamic with her. Yeah. Um I I was always pretty close to my mom. Like I loved both my parents like the exact same. I just loved them so much, you mm-hmm. know, and they were just these great people to me. Um but my mom I think my mom struggled a lot with the divorce and the divorce was really hard on her. So I, I think without realizing it as a child, I kind of felt like I had to be there for her a lot. Yeah. Just, just kind of be close to her, you know, Mm -hmm. um, like be like a team with her. Yeah. Kind of a, you had this responsibility at a very, very young age that you wanted to be there for your mom and and support her kind of thing. Yeah, and I don't think she necessarily, like, put that on me. I think I just felt that, you know, like... Yeah. You wanted to comfort your mom. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, so my mom and I were, were really close, but then I think after my dad stopped coming to get me, I think that threw me off a little bit. How old were you? I was 13. 13? Okay. Mm-hmm. So at 13 till, like, your 20s, how was life then? So around that time, like my best friend and I, we would, we were smoking cigarettes, Mm, you know, and we were like my mom's boyfriend that we were living with at the time, you know, he had, he wasn't really a drinker, but he had some alcohol. So we would kind of dig in that a little bit, you know, and experiment. And, um, so when my dad stopped coming for me, um, I just kind of, yeah, I just I I just met some friends and started smoking pot and started drinking and started hanging out with people um that were just that's what they did. Right? Yeah. And my mom worked a lot and she went back to school. Mhm. So she was like at work and then she went to hack. So I was home alone a lot. Yeah. So that gave me opportunity Freedom. to just yeah, to do what you want when yep. you wanted. Yep. And you thought you were probably the king. Yep. I was just kind of, yeah, just like it was my own house and just did what I want. And my mom would find my cigarettes and she would steal them. And she would, (laughs) but she would never say, I found your cigarettes. Mm. I'd just be like, oh, she took my cigarettes again. I got to save my lunch money again to get another pack of cigarettes. (laughs) And Uh, it was like this weird game we played. (laughs) You just sounded just like her. (laughs) The way you just said that. (laughs) So it was kind of, it was, and I don't really think she knew what to do with me. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like. It's one of them things. What do I do? Yeah. It's probably all new to her. It it was. Because that, like her and I are very different. Mm -hmm. Like we're, I think we're the same, but I think we're different. So um, she eventually found out, you know, that I was smoking pot and, and doing that. So she put me in a drug rehab. Wow. At what age? 14. 14, your first rehab. Yes. How'd that make you feel? Well, it was, you know, I felt like angry that she sent me there. Yeah. Um, But I also had a lot of like just mental stuff going on, mm-hmm. a lot of depression, yeah. a lot of stuff like that. And um, actually, when I went to that rehab, I learned about all these other drugs. <laughs> right? Did that, that people crazy were doing. That happens? <laughs> I... A cousin of mine, I think he went to his first rehab or something along that lines, 14, 15 years old, because he was smoking pot. Uh-huh. 
And it made him so angry that he's like, I don't know why I'm here. I just smoke pot. I'm not doing drugs. And it just grew bitterness towards his parents. Oh, wow. Yeah, like kept going away, didn't understand because he's just smoking pot. Yeah. I quotationed pot. Yeah. (laughs) Because in kids' lives, I mean, today. Yeah, today. I mean, I can even testify for in my life that People think pot is not as bad as alcohol. You're right. And kids at a young age don't understand that, well, I'm not drinking. I'm just smoking weed. Exactly. But I didn't know if that had any effect of, like, anger towards your mom. Um, No, because I think I just always felt really guilty and bad. So, like, in in that day, I still, like, pot was still, like, a drug. It wasn't, like, legal. It was pretty demonized back then. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So it was still something that you shouldn't, like, be doing. And I, I think, like, I knew better because my parents weren't like that. Mm-hmm. So I knew what I was doing was not good. Yeah. But I just wanted to do it. I just, yeah. You said it. I just wanted to do it. Yeah. Then you said you learned about all them other drugs. Did I you did. come out of that rehab wanting to experiment? Yes, I did. I came out and I got back with my friends again, and then that's when I took my first hit of acid. At fourteen. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, and that just kind of opened it up, and I just just went on from there. Yeah. And my mom just really didn't know what to do with me, and she just was stressed out. And her and my dad could never get along Mm -hmm. or be around each other even still they have a hard time so it's like they didn't really help each other yeah um and so she just kind of worked and tried to deal with me and i just kind of did what i wanted yeah just kind of did what i wanted and at 16 um i dropped out of school okay um she she would I wanted to go to beauty school at 16 and it didn't work out and I said well there's no reason then for me to even go to school anymore so yeah. my mom would drive me sometimes to school and drop me off and I'd go in the door and she'd drive away and I'd just go right back out hmm. and I would walk down to somebody's house that I knew and so finally when I like she put up with that for a little bit and then she signed me out of school yeah and then I um, moved to Ocean City, Maryland with my best friend. Okay. Just like at, that. Yep. At 16. Yes. At 16. Wow. Like a bird flying, fleeing from its nest. It's so, like a man leaving his home. What did you do down in Ocean City? Like, well, we I lived with my best girlfriend. Yeah. Um, we got to Ocean City. I had like a purse full of change. Mm-hmm. That's all the money I had with me. Wow. We went to a Denny's. We pulled over um, in the parking lot, sat at Denny's, and got a newspaper and looked for places like for rent. And this one guy who was a pianist and he was a divorcee, he was renting a loft in Ocean Pines. So yeah. okay. we lived there and we worked at Denny's waitressing. And we were there for maybe about a month and a half to two months. And it just did not work out. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up coming back home. A guy that I used to date um, sent me money. But, yeah, I think I think my mom came down and got me. I think I called her and she came down and got me. Wow. Rebels on the run. Yeah. And then I came <laughs> home for a little while um, and just partied. Yeah, And then when I was 17, I moved back to Ocean City uh, with Avery, my daughter's father. Okay. And then we lived there in the off season and there was no food and jobs were scarce and we just partied. So we hitchhiked home. What? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, hitchhiked. We hitchhiked back to PA. Wow. Where there's a will, there's a way. Yep. I thought I was insane. And, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, and so then I here I was pregnant with Avery then, and I didn't realize it. I only found and, out I was pregnant with her at like three months. And how old 
17, 17. 17 going on 18? 17 going on 18. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so then I stayed here, yeah. and I've been here ever since. Okay. Um, because I, you know, I had my daughter. So you had your kid, 18 years old. Yep. What are the events from 18 years old, having your daughter, to leading up to Christ? How did Jesus bring you or find you? So I was raised Catholic. Okay. My dad is a Catholic Italian. Okay. So when he married my mom and my mom and him got married, Mm -hmm. she promised to raise me Catholic. So even though they divorced and then had to get an annulment, um, she, my mom took me to church every Sunday when I when she was when I was with her, and I went to CCD classes. So I learned about God, Jesus. Um, so you knew him. I knew him. Yep. That's it. I, I knew of him, and I knew he was very holy mm-hmm. and and sacred, and like he felt like far away. Yeah, like just too good. Too good for you to for come me. near. Yes. Okay. But I also knew that Jesus was forgiving yeah. and that Jesus died for our sins. So mm-hmm. I knew all the the ins and outs of it. But I just, um, yeah, I just felt like probably a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. And even like from my childhood, from things that happened in my childhood um, that were incredibly dark and difficult, um, I think that brought a lot of shame too. Yeah. yeah. And so I just kind of ran from everything and I ran from from God. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, like I knew better, but yeah. I chose to run away. Yeah, so you were never like I would say angry at him. You were just kind no. of more shame and guilt of yeah. the filthiness of your life, knowing that what yeah. you were doing was wrong. So yeah. like living in this condemnation. Yeah, I was never angry with the Lord. Hmm. I always knew that God was good. I always knew that he was yeah. wonderful. I just didn't think I could go, hmm. you know? That kept you on a spiral for how long? Like a long time. It's kept me on a spiral for a long time. Um, even after I had Avery, Avery was definitely a huge saving grace in my life. Okay. Um, Because, like, I didn't love myself. Like, yeah. I think I was trying to destroy myself, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I really do. I think I was just out to just destroy myself. Mm-hmm. And um, when I got pregnant with Avery, I stopped every drug and stopped smoking cigarettes, cold turkey. Wow. Because my body was not my own. It was hers. Yeah. And so, but after I delivered her, I started up again. Yeah. Pretty quickly after I delivered her. Um, but, like, I then had a reason to live. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but yeah. I, I did move back in with my mom because I was like just a mess. Yeah. And I always worked. You were still a kid. I was still a kid. I was a kid raising a kid. And so my mom helped me a lot with Avery. Um, just showed me how to bathe her, showed me how to take care of her. And so my mom and Avery are very close. Okay. Um, Avery's dad um was in and out of jail a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um he the first time he went to jail was because um, he 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 beat me up uh, pretty bad, and he actually fractured my sternum, and I had to go to the hospital. I had to stay in the hospital overnight. Mm. Um, so that started his jail time. Yeah. So him and I stayed together for a little while. We pretty much split up when Avery was a year old. I didn't press charges on him. He went to jail that night because the cops had to come and yeah and take him away. But I didn't press charges. I left him out of jail. And um, then we got back together, and then it happened again. Um, and Bob and Avery's father and myself, yeah. we were all friends when we were 17. We yeah. all partied together. Oh, wow. Okay. So Bob and I and Avery's father were all friends. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up, when I left Avery's father, I ended up with Bob. Yeah. And so... That was kind of a back and forth thing for a while. That was like a kind of a crazy mess for a while. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of our history. Yeah. Bob's and mine. Um, but Bob, he pretty much like raised Avery. Okay. So Avery would consider him like her her father. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm kind of losing track of where I was going. It's so, like I'm jumping so around. So Bob's in the picture now, and you're getting out of this relationship kind of with this abusive boyfriend. And yes. you have Avery. Yes. And so you're kind of in in that part of life. Yes. Um, and And how exactly, what's your side of how you kind of met Bob? We met at a party. Okay. We met at a friend's house, mutual friends. Mm-hmm. And we just like liked each other right away, like just got along. Yeah. He was always like one of my favorite people. Yeah. Aww. Definitely always one of my favorite people. Always made me laugh. He still makes me laugh. <laughs> Cracks yeah. me up. Um, and yeah, so I think what really attracted me to him um, when I started to get away from Avery's father was the fact that he listened. He was such a good listener. Mm. And a lot of people were mad at me because I went back to Avery's dad. Um, but that was really hard to not. Yeah. It was hard. And uh, Bob just like listened. Mm-hmm. He actually was in jail with Avery's dad. They were in jail together. Wow. <laughs> this is like a sitcom. <laughs> it kind of is. Oh, um. Okay. So. Okay, now, when I was 19, so this was when I was 18, I delivered Avery. Avery's dad and I were together. He, he goes to jail. Um, and in this time, I ended up on welfare. Mm-hmm. So the welfare system said um, that they will pay for me to get my GED. Okay. Oh, wow. So okay. I went back to school at the IU 13 building, and I got my GED. And it took me a year because I had to teach myself algebra. Because I had probably about an eighth grade education. Yeah. And so um, after I completed that and got my GED, uh, they said they wanted to give me driving, pay for me to get a driving instructor to get a driver's license. Mm -hmm. And I was like, cool. So I did that. And my driving instructor was a Christian. He was an older gentleman, um, Earl Hess. Okay. Yes, I think was his last name. Okay. Um, very nice man. And I met with him about six times. And when we were about when we were done, mm-hmm. he said to me, I'd like to ask you a question. Yeah. And I kind of braced myself because I wasn't sure what he was gonna say. You yeah. Know, I yeah, thought yeah. He's, he's a really nice man. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I dealt with a lot of that kind of stuff, um, like inappropriate stuff all my life. So Anyway, he said, do you know Jesus? Hmm. And I was like, I was not expecting that. Yeah, it just out yeah, of nowhere, yeah, yeah. boom. And I said, yeah, I know Jesus. <laughs> I said, I know, you know, he's the son of God and, you know, he was born of a virgin and he died for our sins. Yeah. He said, no, do you know Jesus? And I was shocked that I said, no, I thought I did. Yeah. But that's what came out of my mouth. I said, no. And he said, do you want to know Jesus? And I said, I do. And he led me in the salvation prayer. Yeah. Yeah, he prayed with me, and I repeated after him. And then he prayed for me, and he prayed for Avery. And then I remember in that moment, I knew, I think he even said to me, he said, you did, you made the most important decision today that you're ever going to make in your life. And I, and I, it's almost like I felt like a little light come on inside of me. Like yeah. I knew I did something huge and immediately the thought came in, you must never tell anybody about this ever. Oh. That was like the immediate thought. And it, the lie, I listened to the lie, you know, because at that time I was living, I split up. I was living with my friends. A couple yeah. of my friends had moved in. We were all partying and to go back home to a bunch of druggies and be like hey i accepted the lord today they're gonna be like what yeah Yeah. i was just thinking for any of those that are listening that have ever accepted the lord and believe a similar similar lie as tessa did to keep this quiet never talk about it i pray for you and i hope that you uh share what christ has done for you and that you can be set free from any lie that Jesus loves you and wants you to share his love with others. But go on. Me too. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And so in, in this timeline, where are you at with, with Bob right now? You're with Bob right now when 
the driving instructor shares Jesus with you or where where's that kind of fit in the That was life? before we started dating. Okay. okay. That was when we were still just friends. Um that was when we were still just friends. Uh because he had gone to jail. Like I knew him when he not when he first went to jail, but the second time he went to jail, we were friends. Okay. And I remember when his mom passed away, I went to her funeral. So we were all close then. So I was, we were a part of each other's lives, but we were just friends then. And um, it was not long after that, um, that when I said the salvation prayer that I got, Bob and I started to, to date. And so we just partied a lot in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And just our lives were crazy and a mess. And there was just so much. Just so much, just, just a lot of partying, a lot of fighting, um, just a lot, a lot of dysfunction. How many years would you say that went on? Um, a couple, a couple years, um, you know, cause he, he went back to jail for some things. And then I actually, I actually moved to Florida for a little while. Wow. Came back. So we were like off and on. So he would go to jail. We'd split up. Big dysfunctional. He'd get out of jail. We'd get back together. You'd go to Florida. <laughs> you'd come back. You'd get back together. <laughs> Sounds like back in junior high or something. It's madness. It, it's like, you know? yeah. And that went on for years, you say? It did. Wow. It did go on for years until... And you had your daughter. I had my daughter. How old is she now? Abe's 25. She'll be 26 in February. Oh, wow. So I just drug her around everywhere with me. I just drug her around everywhere. She mm. was just involved in everything. Yeah. She was my child. and Except for there was times where she was with my mom. She'd sleep over with my mom. Yeah. Um, she was with my mom when I went to Florida. I was only in Florida for a short amount of time. She stayed with my mom because I was moving to Florida mm-hmm. and I had everything set up. Yeah. But the guy I was dating got my car impounded. I lost my job. Yeah. Bad, bad choices. Bad, yeah. <laughs> bad choices. <laughs> bad choices. And um, I came back here, and then then I got a job at a tool factory. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I got to get it together. Like, Avery's getting older. She's four, going to be five, soon going to start kindergarten. I have to get this together. Yeah. My mom was just disgusted with me, just yeah, disgusted. That was hard, too, because it's like when you know you're just a constant disappointment to everybody, uh-huh. it's hard to like, yeah, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to just know. How do you get better? Like, how do you just do the right thing? Yeah. It's yeah. like you can't. You're so caught in this world. And I just kept trying to to make it better and I couldn't. And. um, Yeah, just all the while, just just running Pretty much from the Lord. Yeah, from that from that time you say you said that prayer and you felt or you knew something was changed, but you just believed a lie. I totally believed a lie. And I was filled with lies. Continued to live for yourself. For sure. And through all this dysfunctional stuff with you and Bob and your personal life, how did God draw you to the point? To where you're like, I'm done with this all. I want to be a follower of Christ. I want, I want to know Him fully and follow. Well, what started to happen was, I think I just started to slowly get tired of all the madness. Yeah, we got pregnant with Lucas, and again, I stopped everything mm-hmm. because my body wasn't my own. Like I was able to do that. Yeah, like I'm, I'm pretty strong-willed. Yeah. Um, and, and it was just like, now I have these two kids from two different men. I'm not married to either one of them. And Avery's getting older. And, you know, it was one, one night, it was before I got pregnant with Lucas, Bob and I got a whole bunch of Coke and we went out and we just partied all night. And my mom had Avery and, and she brought Avery home to the apartment and I was having a hard time coming down Mm -hmm. 
and Avery wanted to come in and get her Cheerios and watch cartoons. And I was completely freaked out by her. Like, I didn't know what to do with her. Yeah. And it was in that moment that I saw these two worlds. And it was like the Lord said, you got to make your choice. Yeah. You're either going to be a mom or you're going to keep doing this. And, and I was like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. Mm -hmm. And so I started pulling away from that. I started wanting to leave that life, but Bob got deeper into it. Mm. And then we got pregnant with Lucas. And then after I delivered Lucas, I think I partied one time. Yeah. And I was like so mad at myself and I stopped. So I stopped doing drugs after I had Lucas, but I still drank. Like that's literally how it happened. It just, just, just done. Yeah. And so Bob kept partying. We stayed together. Um, he had to go to jail when Lucas was born. There was a, a huge, terrible thing that happened. He went to jail. So for the first year of Lucas's life, I lived back at home with my mom, and mm-hmm. Bob was in jail. And so I was raising these two kids, and then we moved into the house we live in now. So I was responsible for the house and the kids, and that was really maturing me. Yeah. And I was doing hair, so that was my job. And I was getting done with this life. And Bob was still very deep into it. So that started to be Fight. a big thing in our relationship. So he would go out and, and party and use and then not come home. Mm. But I was still drinking. So the kids went to Catholic school when we moved back to Lebanon. Yeah. When Avery started school, we, we were living in Myerstown. We moved back to Lebanon, so we sent her to Catholic school. So I started going back to church. And I was like, wanted to live this better life. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like God was using all that to draw me closer to him. Mm-hmm. But Bob didn't want to come with us to Catholic church. And I remember sitting in church one day at Catholic church. I remember looking up front at the church I grew up in. And I just said, Lord, what is, what's the truth? Yeah. Like, I, like I somehow knew that it wasn't there that he wasn't fully there do you know what I mean like and it's because I was saved I think so you wanted to know the truth I just wanted you were seeking to know. the Lord I was I wanted help I wanted him I wanted something new I didn't want to do this anymore I had like been there done that got the t-shirt <laughs> I just wanted yeah. to like be done do you know what I mean yeah yeah and I remember I don't know how but I found the Calvary radio station I yeah. remember listening to the Calvary radio station and I loved it and I couldn't get enough. And I would put it on every morning. I'd take the kids to school and I would come home and I'd be like getting ready for work, doing dishes and getting situated and be listening to the radio station. And just the teachings were amazing. I never mm-hmm. n- heard anything like that before. And it just really started to draw me to him. And I started to understand and I could relate. And it felt good. And I wanted more. And then we started coming to Calvary. Um, my stepsister was coming here. And Tom and Sue know my mom from Teddy and Special Olympics things. Yeah. And they actually know my dad, too. Like, my, Tom and my dad played soccer together. Oh, okay. Um, Before I was born. So my mom was coming here. So we started coming here. And... um. Just the teachings, the teaching was great. Yeah. And I just felt the Lord here. And um, I just remember sitting here one day and Tom was given a message about how the Holy Spirit will will prompt you and prompt you. But if you say no, there's going to be a time when he's going to stop prompting you. Mm. And I started to think, should I like not drink alcohol anymore? Should I just like stop drinking alcohol? Should I stop? And, um, yeah, the Lord just really put that heavy on my heart. And during this point in our life, I was done with drugs, but I was still partying. Like I could drink, go out to dinner and have two Windsor and Cokes and be fine. Or on a good party night, I could kill a fifth. So I didn't think I was like an alcoholic or anything. 
But anyway, um, I just felt the Lord pulling me away from that. And I also just wanted Bob to like stop using, stop partying. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I just needed help. And it felt like no one anywhere could help me. Mm -hmm. So I started praying and asking God for help. Yeah. Please help us, help this marriage, help us. And then um, I ended up getting an email from Dwayne asking me to lead the women's recovery group. Wow. I've been leading the group for nine years. And so this was nine years ago. And I knew that him asking me meant that I would stop drinking. I knew that was an answer because you can't lead a recovery group and drink. Yeah. He didn't know you were drinking, huh? No. Wow. He didn't know I was drinking. That's God in the make, or mean in the works, not the making. He actually said that he, they got my name because they were praying. They were praying for who to ask to lead yeah. the recovery group. Okay. And my name had come up. Okay. So they must have been, I'm assuming, praying together, and somebody said, what about Tessa? Yeah. And so I accepted, and I knew that it would mean me not drinking. But Bob thought that I could still drink. I was like, no. I was like, you can't. <laughs> he wanted you to still drink. He was like, you don't have to stop drinking, babe. You don't have a problem. And I was like, you can't. He still wanted them a couple times that you partied. He I did. I think that's also the difference between the man's brain and the woman's brain. Where he's like, no, we're good. We, yeah. we can do this. <laughs> yeah. He, he didn't want to let go of the part. He didn't want to let go of his parting. And he knew that you giving up that drinking was like, yeah, you walking away from him in a sense. That's like how I'd be thinking like, yo, if my Wife said, I'm done drinking, and I'm drinking. I'd be, well, here goes our marriage. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of things that happened like that that just started to divide yeah. and, and make these these lines of decision. There was yeah. like a line, and then there was a decision. So I accepted, and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm going to stop drinking because I think I started leading in like March mm -hmm. and it was like Jan, it was before January, it was like December. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking like right before I start the group. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Did you ever tell them that you drank up until you started? Yeah, I had to tell, I told Dwayne a lot about me okay. then. I told him about my past yeah. and he was just like, I had no idea. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. But what happened was really pretty cool that I'd like to share. Do we still have time? We got, yes. We okay. got time. Okay, so it was New Year's Eve night of 2013, and Bob and I, this is when I was still like, okay, I'm going to lead the recovery group, you know. Um. So it was 2013, and I was hoping to still drink, so we went there to our friend's house, and I mixed my drink, you know, and I was all happy, and the kids were there. We brought our children. We partied with our children. And Lucas is in Catholic school. You know, Avery's in Catholic school. And some of our friends, you know, just take the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. And we're sitting there. And I'm just all in full-on party mode. And then just all of a sudden, it just was like the Lord just put like a glass over top of me and like separated me. And I just looked around. And I just looked at where I was, and I just saw it in this whole different light. I mean, these are all my friends, my, my husband's there. Yeah. And I just was like, I don't even think I want this anymore. And I looked over at my son, and mm -hmm. our one buddy kept saying, you know, Jesus' name in vain. And Lucas was like, and I was like, what's the matter, Luke? And he's like, why does he keep doing that? And I was like, what? He's like, I don't like how he's talking about Jesus like that. Mm. It's like we were living this double life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. And I was like, I'm going to go home. And I walked over to Bob and I was like, I'm going to go home. And he was like, what? He's yeah. like, we just got here. I was like, you can stay. I was like, I'm going to go home. And I left. I took Luke and I left. That's power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, and I drove home and I felt good. But I, I went to bed that night and Luke slept in bed with me. And I remember crying and thinking, wow, I just literally walked away from like everyone. 
Like I just walked away from everyone. And I was like, I'm all alone. And I, I felt sad, but I knew I wanted to do that. The next morning I woke up, Bob had not come home. He stayed there. And I woke up and I had a little bit of a sadness, but then I remembered, oh, it's almost nine o'clock and Skip Heitzig's on. And I jumped up out of bed <laughs> Yeah. and I ran downstairs and I turned on the radio station and I was folding laundry and I was like listening to the word. Yeah. And I was like so happy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just didn't want that life anymore. Yeah. And, and then the Lord just took it. I just didn't want it anymore. It's just done. That was the last time I drank. Wow. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it's just been a journey. It's just been a journey of learning who who God is, um, learning his word, studying his word, learning his principles. Yeah. And I think that the principle of authority has been huge in my life. Yeah. Um, I was not good with authority at all. Um. Yeah. I'm reading Touching Godliness Through Submission for the fourth time. Great book. <laughs> Great book. <laughs> and I'm getting so much out of it again. All like right. that principle alone has literally shifted my entire life. Yeah. It's Yeah. I read it once and it I felt as I read it, all these truths were just ding 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 I ding, ding 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 ding. I love I love good Christian books. Wrote by, well, it doesn't even have to be a pastor, but most of the people that are writing them are pastors. Yeah. It, to me, it's like, can't always get to talk to somebody that's been walking it out many years. That if I read their book, I'm picturing them speaking to me like I'm in a council session. Yeah. That's how I treat the books. And that's what dri- drives me to reading more mm-hmm. Christian books because I feel like, all right. I can't always talk with Tom. He's a busy guy. Yep. That's who I get counsel from. Exactly. Like, like not just seeking counsel for, I mean, like deep rooted yep. problems in my life. Yep. That you can't always sit with a man that has so many people that I'm like, I'll read this book. Exactly. And it's powerful. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It is powerful. I love the extra biblical books. They help make the work. Yes. Sometimes I can listen all the time, but sometimes I want to read. And then when I read the Bible, it wow, it makes more sense. It does. Makes more sense. It gets me excited and jumping up out. Like Totally. And I'll tell you another thing for me that's really helped like counsel me, the Lord counsel me, is is writing teachings. Yeah, writing your own teaching. Yeah, like because I'm 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 forced then to study the scriptures for myself. And really dive in and understand Searching. what's the background, why, why, you know, did did the writer say this? What does the Holy Spirit want us to know? What, how does this apply to me? It makes you dive deeper. Yeah, Slo- slows you down. You're thinking. You're meditating. You're asking questions. Like, God, what's going on here? I, I used to uh, teach at U-Turn. Yeah. At the women's ranch when okay. when when Calvary first. Um, got involved with that in Sealand's Grove. Yeah. And I'd say probably, I, I think I was there for two years and almost all those teachings were written in tears. Wow. And it would take like 10 hours to write the teaching because I would just be bawling and sobbing and like healing from things in my past, in my heart, sin in my heart, uh, things that happened to me, forgiveness. Yeah. Just because when you're about to teach on that, you have to go through it. Huh. And God would bring up all these things that I didn't want to deal with or look at, yeah. but I had to. Like, he has really counseled me and healed me, like, in yeah. many ways through his word. Yeah, I've gone through the same thing. I I don't know about you, but I used to be the person in my crazy days. I don't want to sit down with a therapist, a counselor, or a psychiatrist that just has a college degree that really might have not ever gone through yep. what I've gone through. And they got to sit here and tell me that it's like brain chemicals and I it's know. this or that. Here's a I, pill. <laughs> yeah. And I had a hard time even trusting because they didn't understand it. I didn't either. That yeah. I know that when I'm able to teach 
is because God brought me through it. And sometimes I'm like, God, I'm tired of suffering mentally or through these attacks that I get or or whatever. Yeah. But it's for other people's sake. Yeah. Because it's more power when you, like you said, when you've gone through it. Yeah. When that truth is actually real in your heart versus mm-hmm. in your head. Yep. That you know that you felt like when he, when Jesus touched uh, the, oh, I'm drawing a brain fart right now. It'll come to you. The leopard? No, the girl that was bleeding. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh-huh. That touched him first. Touched him first. Yeah. She was healed. And she was healed, but he reassured her. Yeah. And she felt like if he didn't affirm her and talk to her, if she just got that touch yeah. and she went away, yeah. how would she have known that Jesus really did it? Right. He still affirmed her. Yeah. Who touched me? He connected with her. He wanted her to know yeah. that it was me. Yeah. And affirmed her in her heart. Yeah. Little girl, you know. Yeah. And I believe that's like you said, how you can teach once you believe it. I can't I can't teach something I don't know. Yeah. I can't teach you how to skateboard cuz I don't know how. <laughs> Right. C- Caleb can teach you all this tech stuff. I can't. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Still learning. Yeah. And that's beautiful. I did. I did want to ask um, before we start to wrap things up. Yeah. Um, the climax of Bob's kind of time and story, I feel, is the meal that was made for him. So I would like to kind of rehash that with you and hear your side of that all as um, a very powerful example of God's love. Um, so would you would you go over that and kind of your your side, your thoughts, and, and how you're able to do that? Sure. So we had really been through a lot, <laughs> yeah. years of a lot, and we even had sought counsel from Tom and Sue and separated for a period of time for six months and got back together. Mm -hmm. And it was like, just still the same stuff was still happening. And, you know, he, he went out that night. I think we got into an argument and he went out that night and, um, I don't know. I just was kind of numb and I just was like, I don't even know what to do anymore. But I was also like super just focused on my relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like for years, I think I wanted Bob to fill the hole that only the Lord could fill. Right. And so I just really started just really growing with the Lord. And so I just stayed at home with kids, got the kids situated and did my thing. And then um, he came home that night, actually. I didn't think he was going to, but he came home that night. And then the next morning he had left for work and my my girlfriend called me and she said, yeah, she said, I got to tell you something. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, she said they were at the strip club last night. And I was like, really? And she's like, yeah. And I said, okay. Mm -hmm. I said, thanks for calling. And I sat down and we had just been through this so much and we went through the whole spiel and I would cry and flip out and throw his clothes in the yard. And we just, it just, I, I was just honestly at that moment, I sat down and I, I said, you know what, God? I said, he has to stand before you, not me. Wow. I, I truly think, without going into wow. all the gory details, I think I fully surrendered my husband. And I also fully stopped judging him and being his judge. Yeah. And looking back on that day, I think in that moment, I stopped judging him and I stepped out of the way. And then I allowed the Lord, Yeah, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And, and I was, I was taking vengeance for myself. I was constantly trying to defend myself and what I felt was right and what I would and wouldn't put up with, but he was just doing what he wanted anyway. (laughs) And so, yeah, I just sat down and I said, you know, Lord, I said, I made a commitment to this marriage and I'm not going to divorce. I'm going to be in this marriage until I die. And that's where we're at. And I just made that decision. 
I was like, I'm not, I'm not leaving this. I'm yeah. not doing it. And I think God just aligned with my heart because my heart was, there's no choice for divorce. It's not going to happen. And I mean, for me, what if he divorced me, that'd be different. But, um, and I think I really surrendered him and, you know, I don't remember if I went to work that day or if I had off, but I made food and I made spaghetti and, and this was like the next day you make. Yeah, this was that day. So or he it was had, that day. Okay. Well, he had gone out that night before and then the very next day she called me. So it was that same day. Mm-hmm. I made, I made the food and he came home and I said, Hey, and well, he was trying to call me all day. Cause he was uh, like, his buddy was like, man, they know the dirt's so, out. Yeah. So he's trying to call me and I just didn't answer my phone. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. suffer a little. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so he didn't know what to expect. You know what I mean? Because he knows yeah. me and how I normally act. So he came in and I just said, hey, what's up? How are you? And he just kind of looked in the door and kind of just walked in slow. And I said, you're just in time. I said, there's dinner. I said, come on out. You Come on out and eat, you know? And he's just like kind of looking. This is odd. And And he's just like, you okay? And I was like, yeah, are you okay? And he's like, yeah. I said, okay, so come on out and eat. And I was just really calm. But I just want to share in that moment, I felt this incredible peace. Mm. I was not angry. I wasn't faking it. Yeah. I was legitimately like peaceful and calm. I was so calm. And and I just felt this this happiness in serving. Yeah. I just wanted to serve him. Yeah. Like it brought me joy to serve him. Yeah. And and I and I, you know, got him a plate of food and I sat it in front of him and he just looked at me. And I said, Are you are you gonna eat? And he said, Is it safe? And I was yeah. like, <laughs> Is it safe? I said, yeah. I think he probably thought, Did she, is she going to kill me? Like, yeah. Is this the final straw? She's going to poison me. <laughs> There's like, rat poison in the sauce. That's so yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was wow. like, yeah. I was like, and we were just sitting there and, and he, uh, yeah, we ate food and, and we went to bed and we didn't talk at all about it. I didn't question him. I didn't flip out. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything about it at all. I just acted yeah. like nothing happened. And then the next day he said to me, um, I think he had talked to Pastor Tom or something, mm-hmm. but he told me he was going to be done drinking. Wow. Because at this point I was leading recovery group and I wasn't drinking. Yeah. And I said to him, I don't believe you. Yeah. But I'm, I'm That's in honest. It. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, but that day, like all my emotions came back and my anger came back. Mm-hmm. So it was weird. Like in the moment I felt that peace. And like looking back, I I believe that like the spirit of God took over. Yeah. Yeah. And I was completely surrendered. So I think I did all that in the Holy Spirit. Amen. But then like God allowed me to still feel my feelings and my emotions. And so I had to work through that later. Right. And forgive, purposefully forgive. But it was beautiful because God answered like a long prayer. I had been praying for years, you know. Awesome. Thanks for sharing your story. Yep. Um, and and when Bob said that he was done drinking, is that when it when it changed, or yeah. was there still a, was there still a slip up after, or like things just changed from there on out? I don't think he drank after that. Praise no. God. I think that's when he started going to the nights program. Where okay. he's at now, and he's actually starting to lead there. Sweet. He's starting to teach there. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. I'm super proud of him. Yeah. And so he started going there and connecting with the men there, and that's where he got saved with Tom Stam. So the prayer, salvation prayer with him, and um, yeah, it's just been this journey of healing and growing and learning and just working through things together ever since. Yeah. You know, just we're just working through this together. Yeah. And and before we end, what is one thing that today you just love to do with Bob? It sounds like you guys are big talkers that you just like to yeah. conversate, but how would you describe that? I absolutely love to talk with my husband. Yeah. I love it. I love it like cuz we agree on things, but I also love it cuz we disagree on things. And we get into <laughs> these great like debates about stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. Good debates. Yeah, like good debates. Like, and I just love um, sharing um, grandchildren with him. Mm. I love just being with him. I really do. He's definitely my best friend. I definitely just love hanging out with him. That's awesome. Yeah. What would you say to um, a couple or a woman who is in the situation of a broken marriage right now? What is a word of advice that you would give them? Yeah, I'd say that um, there's a reason why you got married. Um, So you have to remember why you love someone. Even if they hurt you, um, you have to remember why you love them. And um, the only thing that you are really responsible for is your part. So how are you treating your spouse? Um, Even if they're treating you badly, how are you treating them? Because that's what's important to God, because each of us will stand before God and we will give an account for what we did, not for what somebody did to us. We will give an account for how we treated Mm. someone, what we did, what we did with the time we were given. And that's very important. It's very important. And it brought me back to a foundation. I am not the judge. I am a creation. And um, yeah, God is holy and God is sovereign and God has a plan and a purpose and I definitely don't think anybody should allow themselves to be abused because physical abuse is not okay. Mm. But there is a way that you can remove yourself from this situation. Um, and if, and if, you know, the other person is willing, you can heal from that. Yeah. Yeah. So so work on, on your relationship with God Mm -hmm. first and foremost, first and foremost, and secondary, how are you treating your spouse and loving them. Yeah. How are you treating others? Mm-hmm. It's good to, it's easy, especially for me. I can get caught up in myself in a pity party and poor me and this happened. Right. <laughs> and then I know I'm all in it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember, oh, what did I do to the Lord? God is holy, you know, and what am I doing to others? How am I treating others? You know, if nobody's calling me, am I calling them? You know, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, really, it's, I'm a servant. I'm a servant of the living God. Amen. Right? Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so for those of you, if you haven't listened to Bob's side of the story, um, I encourage you guys to do that. Um, Just amazing what the Holy Spirit did in just breaking him with um, the meal that was made. That is just such... A beautiful picture of God's love. <laughs> it's crazy. And now hearing your side about how you had just surrendered him and you said, you know what, Lord, this is your battle. <laughs> and, and now like remembering Bob's story, I'm just like, yeah. And then the Lord broke him. He sure did. And, and that was, <laughs> and that was it. And it wasn't through rat poison nope. in the pasta sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was by love. Um, yeah. That's that's wild. Wow. God's Austin. incredible reckless love. <laughs> Amen. 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 Yeah. Amen. All right. You have any any other questions, Austin? No, I have none. All right. Anything Thanks. you would like to share, Tessa? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. All right. Thanks for sharing. Thanks yeah. for coming out. Thanks for coming Thanks out. for listening. Appreciate it. Let him pray. Yeah, I'll pray us out. Lord, thank you. Um, Lord, I just praise you uh, again just for your love for us. Um, mm-hmm. Your love that breaks and that cuts through bone, through marrow. Your word, um, your truth. We just praise you. Um, just so thankful. Um, and I, I just pray for those for those listening. Um, if there's a couple listening... Um, a mm-hmm. husband or a wife that's going through and, and listening just to their story. Um, Lord, would you speak to them right now? Mm-hmm. And just what um, decision you want them to make, what step is next for them, what friend they can reach out to, how to break the just the cycle of um, destruction. Um, would you just make that obvious to them, Lord? And... Um, yeah, we just pray and, and we just lift them up and um, 
just invite you as always um, just to receive Christ, just to ask him to come into your heart and uh, just receive the forgiveness and um, just learn more about him and live for him and repent. Um, yeah. So Lord, we just thank you for this time and we pray that, uh, yeah, you just be honored and glorified through all this. And uh, thanks, thank you that people can listen and hear of your greatness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.